Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to episode number 1016 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, September the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, you can find uh, the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps as well. And here on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. We're pushing towards 600 subs. We would love to get to 1,000 by the end of September in time for the season to start. So please tell a friend. Even if you're not going to watch the YouTube every day, just hit subscribe. It's so easy. It takes two seconds. It's free to do. And it really helps out me and strokes my ego, which is very important, of course. Uh, on today's show, we have a lovely podcast coming up for you. We're going to talk about OG Ananobi and his potential breakout season to come. We're going to dig into the potential of him scaling up his offense and maintaining his efficiency. We're going to talk about his defense and whether there is even room for improvement there. And we'll tackle the question, will OG Ananobi be the best player on the Raptors by the time the 2021-22 season comes to an end? And we are going to do all of that and discuss all of that with today's guest, who is one of my favorite people on Raptors Internet, one of the smartest people on Raptors Internet, great at talking defense, great at talking everything, and I'm very glad to have him on today's show. It is Brad Vermont from the Too Much Hoops YouTube and Patreon. Brad, how's it going, man? Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm happy to have you on the show to talk about OG Ananobi, who, for my money, is the most interesting player going into this season. You know, there's there's arguments to be made for Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. Can he kind of continue the form he found in the back part of last year? But OG, I think, and, you know, we'll get into sort of his numbers and stuff like that and and kind of dig into, um, you know, what kind of growth we can see. But I'm just thinking in terms of the way the future goes for the Raptors, the trajectory of the team, I think hinges on OG this season more than anybody else. Would you agree with that? Just considering what it could mean if a six foot eight wing, who's an all world defender becomes like a, you know, a mainstay of the Raptors offense. Yeah, really. He he's the player in my opinion, who has the biggest potential to change what their ceiling is going to be. I think the Raptors have a, have a reasonably high floor, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I'm saying that knowing full well that they're, they're quite likely to fall into that kind of play in range. Sure. Uh, But, but I think OG is, is the guy who can sort of propel them above that level and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, potentially make them look at, you know, a four or five seed and, and think that's something that they can get to. And, and in terms of further development down the line, I think he's the one who, you know, being younger than the other main core guys. Uh, I mean, I guess along with Scotty Burns, but he's the one yeah. who sort of has the uh, the potential to really take them to another level. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, and a lot of what we saw last year hinted at maybe we are in for some special stuff this year from OG. Just a refresher on OG's numbers from last season. Uh, over the course of the entire season, he averaged himself. Come on, basketball reference. Work with me here. 16 points a game, 5.5 boards, 2.2 assists, uh, one and a half steals, 
uh, almost a full block a game as well, 0.7 blocks. He shot 39.8% from three on 6.1 attempts, had a true shooting of 60.5. And in the back part of the season, which is where things got really interesting with OG, he, you know, obviously dealt with COVID and missing time with injury. And it was kind of a, you know, stop and start finish to the year for him. But he played 20 games after March 1st. In those 20 games, averaged 33 minutes a game, 18.3 points, 5.3 boards, 2.8 assists, 1.5 steals, 0.8 blocks, 40% from three, and a true shooting of 60.3 on 14.1 attempts a game, scaling that usage up a couple of field goal attempts per game from earlier on in the season. So, Brad, I, I mean, how much do you buy into the back part of last season for OG? I guess is the place to begin here because, you know, the big thing, the, the difficult thing for any sort of burgeoning star to do is to scale up usage and maintain efficiency. And he did that for a small amount of games and not quite the same sort of volume you'd expect from a number one option or anything like that. But there was an increase in usage. There was an increase in him sort of having shots funneled to him after Norm Powell was traded in particular. And, you know, th there's a lot like a little bit of evidence here to say that he can scale up and maintain that efficiency do you buy the last 20 games at all have you thrown the entire 2020 uh 21 season out the window entirely like what's your view on how much to put stock into what we saw og do in the back part of last season i'm about i'm about 50 percent of the way there to putting sure. stock into it i, I think yeah. last season was anomalous especially for the raptors for for a lot of reasons <laughs> um and and also the other thing about the back half of last season was uh, because there were so many guys out with injuries and stuff, it was a lot of weird lineups too. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I would think that that sort of thing would actually hurt OG Ananobi's efficiency if he's playing with sure. you know more more subpar guys, non-starter caliber players. So I mean that, uh, and and it's not like the back half of the season was so much different from the earlier half of the season. It was just like he took a couple more shots and and still mm -hmm. did great. Um, so, so I'm, I'm quite hopeful that it'll carry over to this season. I think, um, I, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting with this season, I'm, I'm trying to just sort of not judge anything until Christmas sure, <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be difficult with Pascal Siakam out. Yeah. Um, I think OG is going to have a lot of attention focused on him early on. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the other thing that I think is going to be interesting this season is, uh, I think the three-point shooting caught a lot of teams by surprise last season. Mm -hmm. um, and on six attempts, shooting 40% from three, like that's really good. Among guys who took at least six shots, he was in the top 20 in three-point percentage in the league. And yeah. he's up there with guys like, you know, like Duncan Robinson and Davis Bertans, who their whole thing is th that they only shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that like that's their whole specialty. And he's right in that sort of cluster with those guys. And other guys too, like Kyrie and Jalen Brown are are right around his percentage as well. So, so you know, like those are high quality players. Um, so I think teams are going to respect him a lot more uh, in terms of shooting. Uh, so, you know, that might mean his three-point shots get a little bit tougher. Um, but, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That means now he's going to maybe have more opportunities to attack guys off of closeouts. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or it opens up the court for other players, for Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, whoever, uh, Siakam eventually, um, to, to sort of create some more offense themselves too. So, so it's going to be interesting to see, uh, to see how that evolves this season. Yeah. I almost wonder if the lack of Siakam early in the season might be kind of like 
a bit of a blessing for OG. Like, first of all, I would expect to see some growing pains. It's not going to be a linear sort of tra trajectory from what last season was, and he's just going to, you know, level up and be better than he was in the back part of last season. That's not how it works, especially, like you said, if the supporting cast is going to be a little bit diminished with Siakam not there. But it could be this kind of thing where, like, the first month or two of the season while Siakam's sidelined is kind of like when you're playing a new video game and you're trying to figure it out and it's, like, really difficult. But then... Siakam comes back and it's like, oh, I've just like taken the difficulty level down one. And now I kind of know how to do this. I found all the runes in uh, Zelda or whatever. And I know how to kind of beat all of my opponents. That's kind of how I think it could sort of play out here for OG. I, I guess an interesting thing here is, you know, how much do you buy into his like pull up shooting and the fact that he can kind of create for himself? You know, he's still a little bit, I think, kind of slow and plotting sometimes when he tries to attack from the point of attack with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, I, I think he's such a bowling ball of a human that it almost doesn't matter sometimes. And he just kind of bowls over defenders and he can kind of get away with being a little bit slower. He's got those long strides that help too. you know. In terms of him creating his own shot, particularly, you know, pull up threes and pull up mid range shots, like, do you buy that as being a thing he can kind of master this season? Are there any sort of things in the way his shot looks or anything like that that give you some pause? Like, what's your sort of view on OG as a scorer, a guy who can help alleviate a lot of the issues the Raptors have when it comes to half court creation? I think creating off the dribble is probably one of the things that I'm not expecting to see quite as much this season, especially sure. in terms of pull-up shots. Yeah. I think he he can get to the rim or get himself into a post position and, you know, get hit, get some jump hooks and stuff going. Uh, but I think pull-up pull up threes are going to be a little bit tricky. One, one thing that I could see happening is uh, a bit more pick and pop. Sure. Uh, threes, I feel like last year was a lot of standstill, catch and shoot uh, three-point attempts. Mm -hmm. I could see him being used as a screener and then popping out. I could also see him coming around a screen catching and, and, and shooting as well. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the mid range game, I'm not hundred percent sure on it. It just is he, he, his load up, uh, like it might just be because he's so long yeah. <laughs> that it just like takes a long time to sort of load up and get into his shot rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's not a super quick shooter and he's yeah. not like one of those, uh, you know, high jumping, high release, uh, shot, uh, shot makers. Mm -hmm. But that being said, you know, I, I didn't think last season that we were going to see some of the things from him that we did in terms of uh, handles and attacking off the sure. dribble and stuff like that at times. So uh, so it's a possibility, but that sort of feels to me like uh, like it's probably we'll see some flashes of it, but it won't be like mm -hmm. a consistent thing necessarily that we'll see this year. And and yeah. the other thing that sort of falls into that category as well for me is is just seeing how he handles help defense a little bit. Mm -hmm. in terms of making reads um, and, and uh, you know, getting double teamed sometimes. Like, he might see mm -hmm. a little bit more of that, especially while Siakam's out. And that is just, it's a new skill that you don't necessarily develop, especially at the NBA level, un until you see it. You know, I think we saw some of that with Siakam last year, especially early sure. in the season, where he just looked, not even lost, just flustered sometimes. Um, and, and a little bit rushed and kind of out of his rhythm. And that was after Siakam already had a whole season of being like a 1A, 1B guy with Lowry mm -hmm. uh, in, in the 1920 season. So, uh, so I think there's going to be some, some growing pains and, and stuff like that, but also uh, I, I think he has the skill to get there. 
Um, and, and he's still so young too. So it's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm disinclined to put any sort of ceiling on him really. Yeah. It's always important to remember he's 23 freaking years old and he basically had two lost years to development more or less like the title season. He moves to the bench and the following season he's hurt a whole bunch. Um, you know, th- it's been kind of stop and start for him the whole way. And he's still managed to develop to this point, which is very exciting. Um, not to mention he missed the entire playoff run with an appendectomy, uh, if you recall in 2019 as well. So, you know, he's kind of persevered through a lot of crap on his way to this development arc he's been on, you know, to the point of the pull-up shooting. Yeah, I agree. That's probably something that's going to take some time to refine. You know, we saw some flashes last year, the sort of odd brazen pull-up three, which is like, oh, okay, I'm in for that. Um, but I think you make a good point when it comes to his like load up on his mid-ranger and his his three-point shot as well, when he's got, when he's doing it off the dribble, you know, he's not really a guy who strikes me as like an off balance shooter. Like he's very much seems like he needs to be square to the basket, sort of find his footing and then fire it up. And that might be part of why it's not like a natural sort of smooth release. Like it is very sort of methodical. Maybe he can work on that and sort of add in a little bit of off balance sort of game in those, in that department, just watch DeMar DeRozan film or something like that. But uh, I think that is certainly something to keep an eye on. We'll get into some more things to watch with OG on offense because, you know, we were going to spend the entire second segment on defense. Probably don't need to spend that much time. He's very good and is probably going to be on all defense and it's very exciting. We'll talk about it a little bit, but we have a couple more offensive items to get to as well coming up here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. It's that time of year again. And uh, football is back. Gridiron is is going. It's amazing. Fantasy football is going. It means you can also bet on football as well. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor pool open at BetOnline as well. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus, meaning if you put in 100 bucks to play, you get 200 bucks in your account off the top. That is a great deal. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, hockey, baseball, whatever it is, you can bet on it at BetOnline. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. And be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to get that 100% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at Direct TV Stream. Look, you've got a million devices in your house right now. You've got your one thing where you're watching your game live. You've got another device that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simpler way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and in a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Brad, let's continue on here with the OG talk. Uh, A couple more offensive items to get to. Two items in particular. You mentioned playmaking and the sort of difficulty that, you know, he'll probably face kind of being the object of attention, especially early in the season with no Siakam and, you know, what that might sort of put him through in terms of just growing pains and the rigors of becoming a number one or number one adjacent option. 
in terms of what you saw last year, we saw the assist creep up a little bit. Uh, I think it was a 2.8 assist to 1.9 turnover ratio last season for him. Um, you know, it, it, sorry, in the back part of the season, that is in the last 20 games. You know, there, there's, I think, a lot of different avenues this could go with OG in terms of playmaking. Like maybe he's just like a savant and he kind of figures it out quickly. Maybe it's a little bit more difficult. Where are you at with his ability to kind of adapt to? the playmaking role that is going to be necessary if he is going to kind of level up into the star that people hope he can become. I think that's going to be interesting. I think we will see some growth in that this season. Mm -hmm. um, I think last season, a lot of uh, a lot of what was happening was he sort of either caught guys by surprise and got mm -hmm. all the way to the rim um, or uh, just a lot of like, catch and shoot opportunities and mm -hmm. i think this season if there's going to be more not necessarily isolation opportunities but but opportunities where he is sort of the primary guy that the play is being funneled to mm -hmm. um i think he'll attract a bit more help defense have a bit more eyes on him mm -hmm. and so i'm hoping that what comes with that is you start to see where the help is coming from and when you get you know to the restricted area or whatever you, you can then drop it off to Ken Birch uh, yep. to just put it up and in, or you find Gary Trent Jr. in the opposite corner, stuff like that. Um, and, and part of that too, hopefully, is is having some shooting on the floor with him this season. Sure. Uh, no, more, no more playing with Aaron Baines or anything. Um, <laughs> and, and, and hopefully that sort of opens things up a little bit too. Like I, I'm sort of, I'm curious to see how, like a combo of him and Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. kind of works together because I feel like last season Raptors fans didn't really get a good chance to see Gary Trent Jr. He sort of came in middle of the season, again, playing with sort of subpar talent. I don't know how many games he and OG even got together, but it wasn't a ton. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to see kind of if they can, you know, maybe you get a, a Fred Van Vliet OG pick and roll, find OG on the short roll and he kicks it to Gary Trent in the corner or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there'll be opportunities for for plays like that, and and that'll make it interesting. And then the other thing that I think will be interesting this season, uh, and and he'll definitely be involved in this, is I think the Raptors are probably going to be faster. Yeah. I mean, no Lowry, and they just have all these big athletic guys. Mm -hmm. it, it just and and not necessarily the most half court creation. So it just makes so much. That's sense putting it generously. <laughs> So, so, uh, so yeah, so I, I think if they can get out and run and, and, you know, you get, mm -hmm. you get the ball in his hands and he drops it off maybe once a game. And that's another assist that he can, that he yeah. can get that way as well. Um, so, so I think we'll see some growth in the passing, but, but that also is, uh, it's something that just takes a little bit of time and, and some experience and, and, and yeah, I, I think it'll be, it'll be good to watch though. Yeah, I think the thing that's really exciting is that there's lots of different avenues for OG to playmake through, right? Like he can have the ball in his hands and get downhill, throw those little dump off passes that he's really good at. Um, you know, he you know kind of flashed some ability to just kind of drive and kick on his own last season, which was quite nice. You can also throw him in the post. He's such a bruising dude down there. Again, really good big to big passer, finds cutters on the baseline quite easily, uh, and can also potentially, you know, start kicking those out for swings around the horn. And then, you know, like you mentioned, the short roll stuff. I, I mean, again, he's very good at big to big passing. He's very good at finding cutters. He, you know, I think he kind of knows because 
he's often on the other side of that where he's the guy cutting baseline and getting those easy passes from mm -hmm. Mark Gasol or whoever it's been in the past. And maybe there's just kind of like an innate understanding of how that works too. So, you know, there's lots of different ways in which he's going to get a chance to play make. You mentioned transition as well. And I think that's nice to sort of think about because it means even if there's some growing pains there, it's going to be a well-rounded playmaking repertoire, hopefully, if they use them in all the ways that they can and have used them in the past. The other thing I think that's really key here for OG on offense is going to be his free throw rate, which has never been necessarily very high. Uh, just 2.4 attempts a game last season, a career high for him. Uh, 1.5 was his previous career high in 2019-20. Uh, his free throw rate plus uh, per basketball reference, so it's an adjusted stat, 100 is league average. He is an 80 last season, which is not very good, but is, again, his career best. Uh, he got the free throw shooting kind of squared away a little bit last season uh, after being kind of up, up and down, had some really bad stretches in 18-19, even in 19-20 at the start of the season. But he shot 78% from the line last season, which is a really big step forward from him. Um you know, do you think he has it in him to increase that free throw rate? Because there's going to be a drop off in his efficiency if he becomes a more high usage player. It's just how it works most of the time, unless you're a super duper duper star. And hey, maybe he is that. We'll see. But, you know, in terms of maintaining that efficiency, the free throws are going to have to be there. Otherwise, there will be that drop off. Do you think he has it in him to get to the rim, draw contact, get to the line enough? Or is that still sort of a hole in his game that you haven't seen much in the way of improvement in? It still is a little bit of a hole, but I think I think that's sort of one of those growth things. Like mm -hmm. last season with so many shots coming from catch and shoot or like blitzing guys and, and getting all the way to the rim, uh, it's it's a little bit... You're, those are just situations where you won't necessarily get a ton of fouls apart sure. from guys like scrambling to recover. Um, but I think if, if he gets a little bit more post touches or if defenses start loading up to prevent him from getting all the way to the rim, mm -hmm. uh, then, then I think that's where you sort of get into the craftsmanship of, of drawing fouls and, and using your pump fakes and, and using your body and stuff like that. And, and uh, to be honest, it's, it's surprising that he was only had, you know, that he was below average in terms of free throw rate last season mm -hmm. for how much of like a bruiser he plays like sometimes like he is, mm -hmm. he is quite a physical player. Um, but it's not always necessary. He, he's not always necessarily bruising on the offensive end. Sure. And, and I think part of that has to do with his handle. It, mm -hmm. It's hard to, for, for guys who don't have the sharpest handle, it can be hard to sort of take that contact and still maintain control and maintain awareness of what else is happening on the court around you. Um, so hopefully if he comes back with the handle a little bit stronger, which I'm sure is something he's been working on. Like that's, you yeah. know, the Raptors. They're, I've seen stupid. the Instagram videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I, I think this season we probably will see an increase in, in the number of free throws that he gets both in term, like both in terms of rate and just raw numbers because gotcha. 2.4 is, um, it's pretty low for yeah. a guy who was shooting, I think 12 shots a game. Like it's, it's, for for a big forward the way he is, I, I would like to see that up, you know, around four this season, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean that's something that we've seen lots of guys in the past kind of add to their game, you know, within their own, the Raptors themselves. Like Demar Derozan, for example, was never really that guy, and then he became that guy overnight, and it was, you know, there's reputation with refs, I guess, that's part of this as well. Um, you know, if he's very clearly a number one or two option for the team, particularly early on before Siakam gets back, then there's probably just going to be sort of a natural inclination to call more, 
in his favor. So I think yeah. there's room for it there for sure. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes when he gets in around the basket, he tries to finish around contact too much, which is bizarre considering how bruising he is. And it'd be nice if he could just sort of do the thing where he just kind of forces a post up and bulls over a dude and then, then draws contact that way and just kind of scores through guys. Um, you know, he's strong enough to do it. I don't think he like the uh <laughs> the lack of like he's like he's not got like a frail frame that's keeping him from scoring through contact or, or absorbing contact. So uh maybe it's just a matter of kind of learning the ropes as a number one option as opposed to a guy who's mostly just doing catch and shoots and dunking under the basket. Uh yeah, and, and it's yeah. it's like it's footwork type of stuff too, where yeah. you have to like get in there, but be on balance to sort of take the contact instead of, mm -hmm. like you said, really going around guys. And, and, you know, when he attacks off the dribble, a lot of times when he's trying to finish around contact, he's jumping off of one foot and kind yeah. of careening out of bounds. There's a lot of like a, this, like yes, red Eagle stuff. <laughs> if you're watching the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, and, and those are plays where even if you get fouled, it's just less likely to be called because you look a little bit out of control, especially mm -hmm. when you sort of move in a, a rhythmic way, the way that he does. Yeah. So, so if he, if he sort of plays that power game going off of two feet a little bit more and gathering a little bit more first, uh, I think that'll open up his opportunity to get to the line. Yeah. And I guess we can quickly hit on the defense as well before we get to the big question at the end as to where he is in terms of the Raptors hierarchy by season's end, um, you know, defensive end, he obviously is all world on that end probably should have been in the running for all defense last season, you know, played more minutes than Matisse Thibel. Everyone. Oh, Matisse Thibel. So good. Oh my God. He played fewer minutes than uh, OG who uh, yeah. Missed a lot of games, but he played a lot of game minutes in those games, high leverage minutes as well. Not against second units. Mostly. Um, I'm not mad. Are, are you mad? Uh, <laughs> but in terms of the defensive side for OG, do you fear a potential drop off at all with the extra offensive burden there? If so, like I, he can probably afford a bit of a drop off, to be honest. He's that good. You know, how do you see them deploying him this season in this sort of, you know, everyone is six foot nine long and freaky uh, defense? Like, do you anticipate much different with the way we've seen OG play defense? Do you think they'll maybe scale back his assignments a little bit just because he's going to have more of that offensive burden or because he's going to be flanked by Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., a six foot guy and a guy who's not very good at defense? Is he going to have to kind of take on those number one assignments a little bit more often? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Raptors defense looks like this season because it is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I, I think they're Kyle Lowry is a very smart player. Yeah. But I think that over the last season or two, we've sort of seen him take a step back defensively. Mm -hmm. Just and 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 to be honest, I think part of that last season was he just kind of wasn't trying quite as hard because what was the point at times? Because Tampa, yeah. <laughs> um, which I don't blame him for at all. Um so, so on, and I say that to say, I don't necessarily think that going from Lowry to Gary Trent Jr. is going to be like some huge step back. Sure. Um, so I don't necessarily see that element of it changing. Um, I, I don't think that Gary Trent Jr. is some great all world defender or something, but if he just plays hard and yeah. is big, that helps. Is, is in the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I'm not too worried about that. I'm I'm really not that worried about a fall off. Like you say, if he falls off a bit, like he still is a borderline all defense player. He, he mm -hmm. should have made it last year. 
and and probably should make it this year and and probably should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year too mm-hmm. uh but part of it was like last year the raptors were kind of trash and and it's hard to reward a trash team yeah um so so i mean and and the media is not necessarily gonna give the raptors high priority for for awards no, they're not searching out ways to give og yeah. votes yeah, yeah exactly just, especially like we said when they're 27 and 45. <laughs> yeah exactly it's not not super inspiring so uh so the team will need to be better if he's gonna like win an award or something i think but um but in terms of the quality of his defense i'm not worried at all i don't necessarily think there's a ton of room for improvement like once you're one of the best what are 15 20 defenders in the league <laughs> like that extra step is, is has a lot to do with like your size and your position mm-hmm. and like you're, you're trying like he's, he's never going to be do what rudy gobert does in terms of like rim protection because sure. rudy gobert is like incredible and bigger and longer and 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 a great athlete um so so to expect him to get to like that level is is a little bit tricky um but i he'll still be one of the best perimeter defenders in the league i love his defensive versatility um in terms of his ability to get out on guards and also protect the rim as well i think Mm -hmm. that's really important especially if the raptors are going to play zone heavy again this year which with as many big long guys as they have i don't see why they wouldn't like that Mm -hmm. that seems to be nurse's mo um so so with with guys like rotating all around the court even if he's on there with a center, he a lot of times ends up being the guy by the basket who has to contest that shot at the rim or whatever. And mm-hmm. he does a he does a quite a good job of of using his length uh, and and his overall size to uh, to carve out space in there and 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 block shots and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll push back on the point you made that he's never going to be Rudy Gobert. If he plays Nikola Jokic 82 games this season, he will definitely be Rudy Gobert, uh, except Gobert can't guard Jokic. Uh, but uh, that's besides the point. We will leave that conversation point there and come back to the other side and talk about whether or not we think OG will be the best player on the Raptors by season's end. It's a pretty interesting conversation. We'll get to that in one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are saving you money when you go to the dealership or to the mechanic. It's wonderful, and they are offering you choice and lower prices and all the wonderful things you want when it comes to the car. Look, cars cause a lot of anxiety. Things are expensive. You don't really know what's going on. They say, hey, you need this thing fixed, and I say, yes, sir, fix my car, please. I don't know what to do, so I just accept the price that they're charging me for the part. Well, guess what? You go to rockauto.com and find those exact same parts and more for less. It's a wonderful, wonderful world. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Their site is so easy to use that I can use it, which is saying something because I know diddly squat about cars, but I can find the parts I need. I just type in the year, make, model of my car, the part that I need in particular, and then it shows you three, four, five, six, seven, eight options, all with lower prices than you're going to find at a chain store. You can pick the part that fits your needs, the prices, specifications, and everything else. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See other parts available for your car or truck and write locked on there. How'd you hear about us, Box? To know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at Built Bar. And look, Built Bar has been a big part of my life this summer. I have lost like 15 pounds this summer just by deciding to exercise for the first time in like three years. And it's been wonderful. And a way I've been able to do it 
I have a really bad sweet tooth. I always kind of undercut any exercise I do by having a candy bar or an ice cream sundae at 11 p.m. at night like a monster. Well, Built Bar helps me get the illusion of cheating without actually cheating, and it's been a real help with me as I've lost a bunch of weight and feel healthier than I ever have. Uh, you can go and check out Built Bar and all our wonderful flavors right now and find out which flavor you want to cheat with, even though, again, you're not cheating at all. They've got raspberry, strawberry, orange, coconut, uh, cherry barcia, salted caramel, and my favorite mint brownie, among others. And they have limited time flavors that pop up on the site all the time. All the bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, like half of what you'll find in a typical candy bar, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing, amazing flavors, all healthy, all tasty as well. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Brad, let's round this thing out. And I will pose the question to you. Will OG Ananobi be the best player on the Toronto Raptors by the end of the 2021-22 season? Take it away. I will say probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with with no disrespect to OG Ananobi, I, I just think like Pascal Siakam is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I think the the fan base in general like is a little more down on him than yeah. than maybe they should be. After last season, even when he was looking flustered at the start of the season, he was still doing fantastic things. And yeah. and a lot of it was the Raptors trying to figure out their offense more than him sucking or whatever. Um, so, like, he's he's just a great player. He's a, he's a year and a half removed from being second team all defense, which is, you know, you're, you're one or second team all NBA. Mm-hmm. You're one of the top what, whatever, 20 players at least in the league that season, I don't see OG taking that sort of a leap. And I do sort of see Siakam not necessarily getting back to the form that we saw in that season, because I I think part of it is like defenses figured out they have to take him very seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so like hit his next evolution in in terms of Siakam is, uh, is, is more playmaking and passing and, and sort of thinking the game Whereas OG still needs to sort of take this the leap that Siakam took before that, sure. where it's like you're the you're the secondary guy and you beat the crap out of people every single night, mm-hmm. um, and and I don't necessarily see that happening this year. I think that's something that will sort of progress over the next two years, really. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I think there's a world in which OG does it, and like the efficiency scales up, and you know. He's averaging, you know, 22 a game on 60% true shooting. And you're like, okay, this guy is also one of the best defenders alive. Maybe he's the best player on the team. I would say that's maybe like a 25% of the time outcome. If you were to play the season 100 times, maybe 25 times he becomes the best player by season's end. Um, That's a silly way to frame it. But hey, what else can I do? Um, But yeah, I'm with you in that. I think Siakam is just really freaking good. When I was kind of going through numbers, looking at OG stats for today's show and kind of reading up and refreshing myself on how last season went, I kept being taken aback by numbers that just screamed, Pascal Siakam is amazing. He's really, really freaking good. And it's going to be hard for anybody on the team to surpass him this season. Last year was a down year by Siakam standards. And 
he still was a driver of winning very like very few other players on the team um you even in the back part of the season you know og i think among regulars had the best on court net rating of a plus 3.6 but they were only like a minus three when he was off the floor they were like a minus 12 when siakam was off the floor and a plus three with him on the floor like if the bottom falls out when there's no siakam it gives me some concern for the early part of the season that Siakam won't be around, but I do think there will be some benefit, like we've kind of talked about, for OG kind of having that extra onus on him in the early part of the season. I think it would be kind of fun to watch him kind of go through those growing pains. And I do think by season's end, you'll look at Siakam and OG as the very clear two best players on the team. As much as we all love Fred Van Vliet, I think OG, just with the way he can impact a game at six foot eight with the defense he has, I could totally see, you know, the Siakam OG pairing, as it probably already should be right now, being one of the envies of the league because of just how perfect of a combo of guys that is to build a team around, right? Like maybe they're not top five, top 10 superstars, but to have, you know, two top 30, 35 players who are six, eight, six, nine, who are all world defenders who can each kind of create their own shot and score and, and, you know, do so relatively efficiently. That's pretty damn good in terms of building a basketball team in 2021. So I would say, yeah, it's probably, he's going to be the second best player. There's a chance he just picks it up and it's innate and it's like an, Oh my God, kind of most improved player type season breakout. And then maybe we're talking about, uh, you know, OG being the best guy on the team, but either way, there's no bad outcome here, I don't think, unless OG completely, you know, flails. And I don't think that's going to happen because he's been such a metronome of, you know, consistent reliability. Even if he is just what he was last year, that's a pretty damn good player to have on your team. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think I, I think worst case scenario, he's just the same player as last year. And yeah. and that was great so yeah oh uh, bother what am i going to do with this uh best wing defender alive and uh all this efficient three-point shooting oh my goodness (laughs) yeah exactly uh and and a 40 percent three-point shooter on top of it yeah yeah um so so yeah so i'm i'm definitely not worried about regression or or his floor or anything because because he's he's been fabulous so far and he is so young it's it's reasonable to expect you know substantial improvement Mm and and uh, yeah, like like you say, just the the wing combo or forward combo, whatever you want to call them, of of OG and Siakam is is pretty incredible. And the other thing I'm excited about with Siakam too is like, so like last season they were playing in Tampa, no home games, mm-hmm. and then like who knows how long that shoulder was bothering him because yeah. wasn't that something that he hurt in the previous season as well? Yeah, that seems to ring a bell. Yeah, yeah. So I I think like. I'm curious to see if Siakam's three-point shooting bounces back as well. Yeah. Because then if if his three-point shooting bounces back a little bit as well to the point where he's even just shooting 35% or or just shooting some corner threes and he does well on those, um, that will be huge as well because then that opens up those two. Like what, what makes that pairing so deadly, um, especially if Siakam's shooting is back, is that those guys can kind of play with anybody like yeah. like you can put you you add like a talented center to them and it's one of the best front courts in the league you add a super talented guard it's one of the best uh like wing combinations in the league it just mm-hmm. is uh it, it's a great tandem and it is an especially great tandem to pair with a superstar whether that happens through the draft or through trades or whatever like it mm-hmm. just is uh or or even just on their own like with internal development and whatever so i mean it's 
I'm yeah, curious to see. Uh, I'm curious to see how how they look together once you know once Siakam's back and back in the flow too. I mean, there's a reason that like a lot of people can't quit the Boston Celtics, and it's because they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of doing the same thing at similar sizes. Yeah, obviously OG and Siakam not quite there, but if we're talking about like possible outcomes of this season, I think there's a world in which at season's end, you kind of look at Siakam OG as a comparable tandem to Tatum and Brown. Yeah, Tatum probably is the best of the bunch, but if you have Siakam and OG kind of slotting in as the second and third best of that bunch, I don't think that's insane. Maybe Jalen Brown's just what he was last year, and he's just like this ungodly shooter, and you know there's nothing you can do about it. But I think we'll probably see some regression there. I think we'll see some growth and sort of return to form for both Siakam and OG this season. Um, I'm very and, excited. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 still, even even with you calling Jalen Brown a, a a godly shooter, yeah, OG and Anobi shot the same mm -hmm. amount on on the same number of attempts, pretty much. So it mm -hmm. it uh, you know they're they're up there. It's yep. an incredible tandem. I'm I'm excited for this season. I'm sort of treating it as more of a development year because yeah. I think the the potential for them to start the season with Siakam out, like going like five and fifteen off the start, mm -hmm. is definitely there. But I can also see them going like you know ten and ten, hanging in there, and then and then battling for a playoff spot as well as they as they go along the line. Uh, I, I I'm really excited to see what develops. Yep, I am uh, pretty excited for that stuff as well. Brad, I'm excited for the next time we have you on the podcast because you're the freaking best. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people check out your excellent work? You can check me out on Twitter at Too Much Hoops, and you can check me out on YouTube, same name, Too Much Hoops. Uh, I do breakdowns of Raptors defense. I'm going to do a bit more podcasty type of content, I think, as well this season. Uh, sort of been on hiatus for the last little while, but I'm going to get it going with the uh, training camp starting in like two weeks or something. Yeah. So. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks so much, Brad. And then, yeah, please go and subscribe. You're on YouTube already. If you're watching this on YouTube, just go subscribe to Too Much Hoops as well. If you've already subscribed to Too Much Hoops and not this podcast, then do the same thing as well. We can just uh, help cross pollinate one another's YouTube pages. Why? not uh you can find me of course on twitter at woodley sean you can subscribe to rate review all that good stuff again the youtube subs are very appreciated and then next week uh, a couple of exciting episodes coming up we get the return of evec jacob uh mangled achilles and all seems like he's on the mend he's gonna jump back on the podcast after a couple weeks laid up in bed very excited to see big v's a face big once tennis again super episode Yes, we're just going to talk about Layla Fernandez. You're damn right. Uh, and then on Wednesday next week, we're going to be joined by Karina Mustafa from Locked On Women's Basketball and a whole bunch of other places as she is taking over sports media, basically. And we are going to talk about the, hype, uh, the hypothetical of the WNBA expanding to Toronto. We're going to take a little deviation from Raptors stuff into the larger world of Toronto basketball and get into that with Karina next week on Wednesday. Uh, that's what we got coming up. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.